This is the Bible in one year, day 47. Put first things first. Shortly after we were married, Pippa and I went to a conference about marriage. One of the sessions I will never forget was about priorities. We were given five cards, each with a word on it. Work, God, ministry, husband stroke wife, and children. We were asked to rank these in order of priority. With hindsight, I can see I got them in completely the wrong order. I put God first. At least I got that one right. It was fairly obvious. Followed by ministry, wife, work, and finally children. Well, we didn't have any children at that stage, so they didn't seem very important. As the leaders of the conference took us through these priorities, it became clear to me that my order should be, first of all, God, then my wife, my primary calling, our children, my job, my primary ministry, and finally my ministry, which, though obviously very important, should not be allowed to displace the primary responsibilities of my life. As the philosopher Goethe put it, things that matter most must never be at the mercy of things that matter least. Put first things first. The things that matter most to God should take first place in our lives. Psalm 22 Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. The Priority of Relationship your relationship with God should be your number one priority. In this psalm, we see that the psalmist's first priority, and prophetically Jesus' first priority, was his relationship with God. The gateway through which we pass into a restored relationship with God is the cross. As with the first part of the psalm, we see a continuation of the prophecies about Jesus' death that are fulfilled in the New Testament. It's as though this psalm is written in the first person singular by someone hanging on a cross hundreds of years before the Romans even invented crucifixion. It's an extraordinarily accurate prophecy about the sufferings of Jesus, describing the cruelty of crucifixion. All my bones are out of joint. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. They pierce my hands and my feet. A band of evil people has encircled me. I can count all my bones. The people stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. 
As we saw yesterday, the suffering of Jesus on the cross was far greater than even the horror of crucifixion. He bore our guilt and was God-forsaken on our behalf. Jesus died for you so that you could be restored to a relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus, that you went through the agony of crucifixion for me in order that my relationship with God could be restored and become the number one priority in my life. New Testament, Mark 1 and 2. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Mark chapter 2 A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Priorities of Jesus I love Jesus. He's absolutely amazing and wonderfully attractive. He loved the people. He was filled with compassion for them. The people loved him. The people came to him from everywhere. Everyone wanted to see Jesus. Everyone's looking for you. They would do anything to get other people to see Jesus. The crowds came to him. When he said to people, follow me, they followed him. They brought all the sick to Jesus and he healed them, including Simon's mother-in-law. He loved tax collectors and sinners and was quite happy to go and have dinner with them. He came for us sinners. You can tell people's priorities by how they spend their time. In this passage, we see how Jesus spent his time. First, praying to God. Most people do not get up very early unless they have something important to do. Jesus' first priority was his relationship with God the Father. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This challenges us all to get up early, find a secluded spot and pray. Personally, I find the only way to get up early on a regular basis is to go to bed early on a regular basis. Second, proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That's why I've come. The message he preached was good news about the kingdom of God and the need for people to repent and believe the good news. It was a message all about forgiveness. It was good news especially for sinners, which everyone needed to hear. For Jesus, forgiveness was an even higher priority than healing. Third, power evangelism. Jesus was filled with compassion. Out of love for the people, he wanted to bring them first the good news of forgiveness, but it was not just words. He also acted to heal the sick and to drive out demons. Through the healing of the paralytic, Jesus demonstrated that he is the one who has the authority and power to forgive sins. Jesus' priorities were clear. It was God first and then people second, and everything else was about acting out those two great priorities. Lord, help me to prioritize my relationship with you. Thank you that I am able to proclaim 
the good news of forgiveness to others. May I be filled with compassion as I pray for the sick and seek to see people set free. Old Testament, Exodus 19 and 20 On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people, and said before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud, so that the people will hear me speaking with you, and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Make them wash their clothes, and be ready by the third day. Because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain, is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people, so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord 
must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Exodus chapter 20 And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you, to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance, while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this. You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings 
and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honoured, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up to my altar on steps, or your private parts may be exposed. The Priority of Love Although God invites you into intimacy with Him, never forget the wonder of His holiness and power. God has such a passion for you, and therefore He will not let you be less than you can be. He wants us to learn holiness from Him. From Exodus 19 to Numbers 10.10, the people of God stay in the same place, learning how to be God's people. They begin by learning the holiness and power of God. They cannot even touch the mountain on which His presence rests. Then He speaks to them about their priorities through the Ten Commandments. First, God loves you. The context is in Exodus 20 verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God is a God who shows love to a thousand generations. We see pictures of his love earlier in the passage. God says, I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He says, you will be my treasured possession. Our love is a response to God's love. The context of the Ten Commandments is God's love for you. Some people miss this fact and see them merely as a set of rules. God gives the commandments as an act of love for you. Seek to obey them as an act of love for God. Second, love God. The first four commandments are about how we respond to God's love by loving Him. We love because He first loved us. Our love is to be exclusive, respectful, and is demonstrated by setting aside time to be with Him. Third, love others. The last six commands are all about our love for others, our families, our husbands and wives, and our neighbors. No murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant. Jesus summarized it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The Ten Commandments were not given as a ladder that people had to climb up to get into God's presence. Rather, they were a God-given pattern of life for those who had already known God's grace and redemption. They're not given to restrict your freedom, but to safeguard it. They help you enjoy the freedom of living in a relationship with God, showing you how to live a holy life just as God is holy. Your love for God flows out from and is a response to God's love for you. Heavenly Father, I worship you today with reverence and awe. Thank you that you carry me on eagles' wings and bring me to yourself. Thank you that you say that I am your treasured possession. Help me to make it my first priority to worship 
and to love you with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind. Help me to love other people unconditionally in the way that you love me. Pippa adds, in Mark 1, 35, we see that Jesus got up early to pray. Now, I am challenged by the words very early. I'm not very good in the morning, and even worse, while it's still dark. The temptation to stay in a warm bed just a little longer, I find hard to resist. But I realise that it probably is the best time to find uninterrupted peace. If Jesus got up early to pray, I should at least try to do the same.